All right, well, we are, uh, we're piloting a new format for our message this morning. Uh, you could call it Storylines if you want, but instead of having a reflection primarily out of Scripture, this morning we're going to have a reflection primarily out of someone's personal narrative, namely Val Kellum is going to be sharing with us. And I think this is significant because our faith is rooted in the incarnation, the word who becomes flesh, who embodies grace and truth. And so one way we can pay attention to God in our midst as a spiritual family is to listen to the stories of the folks within our community and discern together in the same way we would discern around Scripture to discern what is God up to in this person's life and how is God speaking to us through how God has been up up to something and at work in this person's life. And so I'm really excited. I mean, Val is the perfect person to um, prompt us to initiate and to to get us started in this kind of format. And, And let's be clear. I mean, our expectation is that Val's preaching this morning. Like she is, she's bringing good news from the kingdom of God uh, to share with us about how God has brought good news in her own life. And so, Val, come on up. Let's pray. God, raise your voice. Raise your voice. Let it be louder than the droning of the world. Let it be louder than the rumbling of my mind. Let it be louder than the drumming of my heart. God, raise your voice. Teach me to speak it. Just in case I move. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, as Charles said, my name is Valerie. Val, I go by either one. Um, and uh, a few months ago, uh, Charles asked me if I might share my story. And um, I've got the opportunity to do this uh, in a format similar to this, just one other time. And I have to be honest, I struggle with it. In my mind, I want my story to be all wrapped up. I want it to be like a pretty package with a bow on top. I want it to have that happily ever after ending. And mine mine doesn't have that. I'm... uh, Did I make me cry? I'm, uh, I'm still very much in the middle of it. Um, but there's a few things that I've learned that I'd like to share today. You see, there's power in sharing our stories and being vulnerable in sharing our struggles. How we talk to ourselves matters. And it's necessary for us to find and then remind ourselves of who we are. What I want you to walk, with, to walk away today with more than anything else, is just knowing that you are not alone. What I want you to know is that you are known, that you are seen, and that you are loved by God. 
Let me go back a little bit and put some context here for you guys. About six or seven years ago, I was sitting in the car, driving home from work. Pretty typical day. I um, was sitting in traffic on Northwest Highway. And uh, all of a sudden it hit me. Uh, my heart started beating wildly. I uh, was trembling all over. I broke out in a cold sweat all over my body. I felt my, my throat was closing and I couldn't breathe. And I thought I was going to pass out. But what I remember most, what I remember more, most vividly, is the sheer terror that I felt. Months later, I would learn that what I had experienced is called a panic attack. And I became plagued with random panic attacks. And I lived in constant fear of when and where they might strike. So I changed up my routine. I avoided driving on Northwest Highway. <laughs> I avoided driving at peak traffic times. I avoided being alone. I avoided, avoided being in crowds. Normal, everyday, mundane tasks became very challenging for me. I relied on Miles, my husband, heavily to keep me somewhat functional. Um, I have many memories of Miles waking me up in the morning. I would be in bed crying under the covers, and he would help me get dressed. And I think I was going to And he would follow me to work so that he knew I was there and that I was safe. And not only did I have this fear, this anxiety around me, I also was just really paranoid that I was just going to drop dead at any moment. Um, and, and then I would become afraid of that. And then I was afraid that that meant that I didn't really believe in God because I was so scared. And most of all, I felt really ashamed. I felt humiliated. I was embarrassed, and I didn't want to tell anybody because I was so sure that they would judge me and think that I was pathetic. You are crazy. What's the matter with you? Why can't you just drive to work like a normal person? Don't tell anybody you're struggling like this. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to think you're dramatic. They're going to think you're weak. What would God think of you if he knew you were so scared of dying? Don't you trust him? That was the narrative that started running through my mind. So I started going to counseling. And I started taking medication. And very, very slowly I began to feel a little bit better. And I slowly started to share my experience and what I was feeling with family and friends. And you know, almost every single time I shared, I had this experience of someone saying, oh my gosh, me too. I thought I was the only one. See, there's power in sharing our stories. There's power in being vulnerable and sharing our struggles. 
See, being vulnerable allowed me to connect with other people who were struggling in the same way I was. Being vulnerable allowed me to be truly known by those who loved me. It allowed me to be loved and cared for by other people. And when I would share, it would encourage other people to be vulnerable and share back. You see, this this facade of perfection had been broken, and we could just be honest with each other. There's power in sharing our stories, in sharing our struggles. Glad that's behind us. It's okay to share this now because it makes us look good. It makes us look triumphant. Let's just move forward. Months passed. Years passed. And I had ups and I had a lot of downs. I always minimized the downs. A lot of times I pretended that they weren't happening. While I was pregnant with Eloise, um, things began to unravel. And after she was born, my panic attacks returned with an intensity that terrified me. And not only did the panic return, the unbearable weight, the heaviness of depression followed. Seriously? What is wrong with you? I thought we were past this. Don't tell anybody. They'll think you're weak. They'll think you're needy. You guys hear that? That voice? That mean voice? How we talk to ourselves matters. About almost exactly a year ago, maybe a little bit more from today, I, uh, I hit a low point. Uh, Miles had left early in the morning for work, and I could feel the panic coming on. And I was uh, afraid to be alone with Eloise. And so I, uh, I fired off a text to my, uh, my huddle girls, my small group girls, um, just being if someone was available. I'll never forget. Sarah Holland responded immediately, and she said, I'm coming to your house in two minutes. Like, literally, in two minutes, she showed up. And um, it's early. I had no makeup on. My hair was disheveled. I was in my pajamas, like, not even really dressed. And I was sobbing. And Sarah came in, and she hugged me. She played with my daughter while I, crying, called my mom and asked her if she would come stay with me. I started seeing a new counselor, started therapy anew. Uh, I began working with a psychiatrist for the very first time. And again, things began to slowly improve. But you know, this, this negative narrative, this mean voice remained. Really? We're here again? I can't believe you let your friends see you like this. I think you're pathetic. You are pathetic. You are weak. You're stupid. You don't belong. After months in therapy, I've learned that uh, this is called negative self-talk. <laughs> I, uh, I like to call it me, girl. <laughs> And uh, I was so practiced in this art of thinking that I didn't even realize I was doing it. 
You see, daily, I would allow Mean Girl to berate me. And then I would ruminate on everything she said. I would turn it over in my mind. I would consume it. And the more I would consume it, the more I would adjust it, the more I would believe it. And it became my truth. How we talk to ourselves matters. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32, it says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is the truth? That I have anxiety? That I have depression? That I get panic attacks? That I'm stupid? That I'm weak? That I'm pathetic? That God doesn't love me? According to me, girl, yes. You see, the the epiphany that I had is that everything Mean Girl ever told me was a lie. Yes, I have anxiety and depression and I get panic attacks. But that does not define me. You see, it's detrimental that we find and remind ourselves of our identity. What does that mean? How do we do that? Well, many months ago, um, in a counseling session, my counselor suggested that I write a letter to Mean Girl. I thought it was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> but randomly one day, I went with it, and I just, stream of consciousness, wrote something out on paper. And I stopped. And I um, started reading what I had wrote. And the first few words of what I wrote kind of went something like this. Dear Mean Girl, you have no right to talk to me like that. Don't you know who I am? I am a daughter of the king. Let me say it again. I am a daughter of the king. You see, Mean Girl isn't me. She's the devil. (laughs) Go with me on this a little bit. Um... Many of you in here are parents. Um, like I said, I have two-year-old Eloise. And now imagine with me for a moment that I overheard someone talking to Eloise the way that mean girl talks to me. Think I would be okay with that? <laughs> My blood would boil with rage. And, and now imagine with me that not only was someone talking to Eloise this way, but she was believing it. My heart would break. Don't you know who she is? You have no right to talk to her like that. And you see, what I would want more than anything in that moment is for my voice to be the loudest thing. And for Eloise to look at me, I would want her to say, look at me, Eloise. Listen to me. I know you. I love you. You belong. And you, you see, I have a God. I have, I have a mother. I have a father. I have a God. And he's begging me. He's saying, listen to me, Valerie. Look at me. I see you. I 
know you. I love you. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I'm weak. You say I am held when I am falling short and when I don't belong. You say I'm yours. And I believe what you say of me. Why am I sharing this here today? It's not because I have it figured all out or because I get it right all the time. It's not because I no longer struggle, because I do. I'm sharing this with you today because learning, knowing that God knows me, that he sees me, that he accepts me, that he loves me, has literally changed every aspect of my life. And, you know, we we all have different struggles. Some of you here may not struggle with anxiety and depression. I hope you don't. It sucks. (laughs) Some of you may struggle with something else. Some of you may be on a different path than me. But, you know, we all have to deal with these messages that say we're not worthy. That say we need to have all of these things done before we can belong. That say we need to look a certain way before we can be accepted. That say we have to have all of our ducks in a row before we can be loved. And sometimes we perpetuate those messages. But they're all lies. They're mean girl. They're the evil one. In First John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us. Right now, exactly as we are. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I believe. If you don't hear anything else today, nothing else, know that you, exactly how you are, right now, you are seen. You are known. You are accepted. You are loved by God. Uh, We're going to have a a little bit of time for response. Uh, One of the suggested prompts was if you wanted to share how you saw God working in my story. And that's fine if you want to share that. Sometimes I feel like that's kind of... uh, I don't know, on the spot. I'd like to think a little bit longer. Um, So if you also just have a comment or if you have a question that you want to ask me, 
um, please feel free. Also, if you're not comfortable asking here, if you want to talk more privately, you can grab me after the service, or you can even shoot me a text if you, you know, want to be super private. Um, there's nothing you can say or ask me that will offend me. <laughs> so I open up the floor for any response if anyone feels led to share. Thank you for sharing that because um, this past week I've been dealing with some of the same things for forty one dollars, and it makes it really hard when they don't believe. So thank you for sharing that gave me hope today. Yeah, so thank you. It's hard. <laughs> it sucks, and it's hard. Even when you do believe, it's hard to accept that kind of love. It's so hard. even though what we hear in our own heads 
when we hear from the world around us sounds true, we have a backdrop to hold it up against. Uh, as guys, especially, we stink at this, like really, really bad. Um, I'm not very good at sharing. I'm not very good at owning some of those things um, in my personality or one thing I struggle with. And say thank you for being that example to me and my family uh, and for being that example on our future. First, uh, just thanks. Uh, um, for me, for my daughter is my son and my wife. Um, I think, uh, like, good preaching shouldn't just say something, right? It should do something. Uh, and, and I feel loved today. And see, um, it's a great sermon. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Dollar earlier. Thank you so much for sharing. Going with it. Said, I, for me, I really loved the way you began by saying you wish that it was all over. Yeah. But you're still in the middle of it. And being able to pause and tell part of the story offers so much value. I want to say thank you for that. Um, I was going to read this quote real quick it's from a Brene Brown book. Thank I love Brene Brown. <laughs> May she live forever. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually quoting somebody named Margaret Atwood. When you are in the middle of a story, living it, it isn't a story at all, but only a confusion, a dark roaring, a blindness, a wreckage of shattered glass and splintered wood, like a house in a whirlwind, or else a boat crushed by the icebergs or swept over the rapids, and all aboard powerless to stop it. It's only afterwards that it becomes anything like a story at all, when you are telling it to yourself or someone else. So I really love that moment to pause and reflect yeah. on the, the wreckage. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It seems like really part of what you're saying is that you're in a, like a situation of domestic violence abuse and it's like this voice in your, inside you. Excuse me. It's so tricky because you thought she was trying to be good to you. And so now you've exposed this abuser, and we all know about it. Yeah. The more you tell about it, the more we get to believe you, hear your yeah. story, and know that it's not you. It was an insipid, unsuspecting relationship that now you have to figure out how to get out of it. Yeah, and I think. Uh, I think uh, traditionally, I never grew up in church hearing that how you talk to yourself matters, um, and but it does. Because until I learned that, I believed every single thing. And that was what was radical for me, was learning that, oh, that's not true. <laughs> and it doesn't mean I still don't. I mean, it's kind of ironic, because yesterday as I was preparing, I was like, I'm stupid. These people are going to think I'm stupid. This was a bad idea. And then I was like, Crap, that's me again. Why is he here? <laughs> but I think it's important. I think it's important to pause and recognize, hey, 
What am I telling myself? And is it even true? Uh, anyone else? Maybe uh, one more comment or two? Okay. Yeah, Julie and Gary. Um, so Val is well aware of this, and um, you are also Christian background, but um, we have thought that as well. And as time goes by, it's more apparent that this is something that you struggle with. And you may or may not know that he's been to church, and I mean, it's probably been a month at least. Um, there's something about coming to church that triggers him. And so we just have tried to write in different ways of, of, of dealing with things. And um, one of those talking about, so he came with 12 this morning and couldn't get it and talk about it yeah. home. And one of the things he said when he walked in, he said, I kind of felt so embarrassed. I know everybody's going to wonder why I'm not there. I, ju- I, I want to be there. I like church. But I just can't. Mm-hmm. And just stop. Yeah. And I just want to say that this that's a culture for our church to have. Uh, um, you know, really yeah. And um, that's that they that's you're you're safe with those people and nobody is thinking that about you. You don't have to be anything that you're not at any point you don't have to shove anything down and I just wanna say that you're at the very root of that culture and you sharing your story speaks truth not just to your being girl but to other people. Yeah. And Yeah, it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> Gary. I just wanted to say a lot of your story I could really relate to. When I was younger, I had some panic attacks, and I always had that feeling like I didn't belong anywhere, and that that same voice just plagued me. And somehow God let me out of that. And Charles can tell you, when I first came to Storyline, I struggled with that feeling of not belonging. But there was a stronger voice that kept telling me that I did belong. And I want you to know that you belong. Thank you, Gary. Um, Thank you guys so much uh, for listening um, to me. And um, thank you so much for your comments and your words. Uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then Charles is going to wrap us up. Dear God, raise your voice. Raise your voice. Make it so loud. Make it so loud that it drowns out everything else. God, give us courage When we hear those other voices, give us courage to face it and say, no, that's not true. I don't believe that. God, raise your voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm just a wreck. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> uh, Val, you are a, you are a gift. Uh, you're a gift to this church. Uh, you're a gift to me and to my family. Um, that was a gift. And uh, I think you know part of our way of life and and our partnership and mission together is opening ourselves to God and tending to our spiritual formation. And you are 
such a beautiful embodiment of that way of life in the story that you shared. And uh, if you're like me, I feel I feel loved. I feel I feel encouraged and inspired um, to to join you on that journey um, toward Jesus. Uh, you you are Val being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. And I, I think we see the image of Jesus in you this morning.